when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Cheese and pickle. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Joining me today is Nick Duncalf, broadcaster and documentarian you'll have heard on BBC Radio. Nick Duncalf, thanks for coming. Thank you for asking me. It's an enormous privilege. No, no, really. You're a, you're a font of television knowledge from days of yore. Well, it's going to be fun, isn't it? Couldn't not ask you. So, Nick, what would you like to talk about today? Um, do you know what? It wasn't that difficult to think of this one because I've been thinking about it a lot recently. It's moonlighting. Oh. Now, obviously, I picked a moment. There are lots of moments I could have picked in moonlighting, but also it's quite a long time ago. And one of the interesting things mm. about moonlighting is it was a huge, huge, big deal at the time. And yet it's it doesn't feel to me, at least, like it's one of those series that people still go on about a lot. No, you'd think it'd be repeated or, you know, I don't know. Is that a thing with American shows? Well, Do they not repeat them? I understand having done some very, very uh, loose research. <laughs> in a kind of York Notes kind of way, that uh, it's something to do with syndication. Now, syndication is one of those things that you hear about American TV shows, and I basically don't really know what it is. I know, it's a word. But it's something to do with the fact that (laughs) when your series does well on one of the networks, you know, it gets syndicated out to the rest of the country for repeats and stuff. And presumably that's like a deal whereby... And then it basically lives forever. Yeah. And apparently, this very flimsy research that I did, that'll probably turn out to be complete BS... (laughs) said that there weren't enough episodes made oh. for it to be syndicated. Do we know how many episodes of Moonlight? Well, I know it was were? five series. So let's this talk is back about... in the day where it was probably like ten episodes a series or something yeah. like that, I think. So let's talk about this episode. Where in the canon does this come? So this this co- is a very special episode. It's a very special about? episode, and it's, it's it's actually series three. OK, so we're halfway and there through. Are five, so I mean, you might say this is when it's peaking. Oh. This is when it's peaking, and then it's, have they it's done going to go it down yet? again. Have, have Maddie and Thingy done it yet? No, they definitely haven't. OK, I right. I think that happens in series four and of course like Ross and Rachel or like I mean pick example after example it is one of those will they won't they things where as soon as they did of course it fell apart and the guy who created the series and was who what we would now call the showrunner I don't even think there was that term in those days who's called uh, Glenn Gordon Caron you know he denies that he says oh no I don't think it's I don't think it was that that made it fall apart yeah totally did but clearly it was so anyway this syndication thing apparently there weren't enough episodes so something like Friends because there are like a thousand episodes it goes out across the, the US and it lives forever but Moonlighting, for some reason, didn't get syndicated, so it was never really repeated very yeah. much. So it had this big gap between finishing in, like, 88, I think it finished, 87, 88, yeah. and then it didn't really come back until DVDs. So, so how old were you when you were watching Moonlighting? Because it's a fairly sophisticated, grown-up comedy, I guess. It's about the romantic tension between two well, fast-talking I mean, people. It's one of the things you realise now. It's a lot, a lot of it's about 
sex. It's all apart boning, from anything else. But I constantly... guess I was actually like 13, 14, so I, don't, I doubt that that was a bad thing for me at the time. You probably picked up on that and I, thought, hmm. So this episode comes series three. It was on, on the 7th of April, 1986, according to the Internet Movie Database, although I assume that's the US transmission yes, date. So it may have been yeah. six months here. later. So I would have been about 14. Okay. And this is, I think, the time when I was like properly obsessed with Moonlighting. I must have watched the first couple of series. I must have known what was going on. Yeah. So Moonlighting is a detective series. It stars Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis. And it's one of those things where, again, in retrospect, you know, Bruce Willis, obviously, massive star. Yeah. Sybil Shepherd, you may have heard of her, you may not have done, because she's this not a massive star. This was kind of the star, thing that broke her, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was an existing star, right? Ah. So, you know... As a film person, I know that she was in... She, her big thing was she was in a film called The Last Picture Show in 1972, mm. a Peter Bogdanovich film. Incredibly beautiful young woman. She was very young then. Famously, apparently, she slept with Elvis or at least had some kind of sexual relations Whoa. with Elvis. I've read Elvis books. They probably didn't have sex. She wasn't really into that that much. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they had some kind of thing in the 70s as wow. well. And they'd been the network had been looking for a vehicle for her for like about 10 years. She kept getting pilots and then they didn't happen. So she was the one that they made this for, right? Okay. This guy, Glenn Gordon Caron, had come off the back of Remington Steel, which I think sometimes these TV programmes define how old you are or or your age defines your relationship to them. So Remington Steel, I remember, and I remember even as a young straight teenager knowing that Pierce Brosnan was unbelievably good looking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that he was being considered for James Bond, but I didn't. I don't really remember Remington Steel. Yeah, I've got a vague awareness of it only, right. and then I mix it up with Sapphire and Steel, right. and then other things with Steel in the title. Anything and I just Steel, get lost. Blue yeah. Steel, any, yeah, any yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. St- British Steel. So he came off the back of that, and he was making this series, and he went to the executives, and the executives at the network just said, "We want a detective series." Okay. He was like, "Well, I want to write a romantic comedy." They were like, we don't care what you do. You can do that if you like, as long as it's a detective series. Okay. And it has to be with Sybil Shepherd. So they started making this detective series with Sybil Shepherd. They got this guy straight out of auditions, Bruce Willis. He was a nobody. And very quickly, this thing took off. What I love about reading about this in retrospect, because, I mean, it was still a fairly sexist time, if anything's changed at all in television, which maybe it hasn't. The amount of agency Sybil Shepherd had at the beginning is quite surprising, which is that apparently he took this idea to her and she said... I want it to be rat-a-tat, overlapping dialogue. I want it to it's be like going, Howard's Hawks movies. Well, yeah, his girl, Friday. Exactly. It's that rat-a-tat. Right. Exactly. And he apparently didn't know what she was on about. What? Which is surprising. Yeah. And she screened His Girl Friday, Bringing Up Baby, and a couple of others. Oh, my Lord. For the showrunner. Oh, it so shows, And for Bruce it? Willis. Yeah. And that's what made the show. So, God bless... Sybil, anyway, I should skip forward to the moment in question. Tell me. It's series three. It's a special episode. It's called Atomic Shakespeare. And and the episode starts with a kid. It's a a bit of a sort of Princess Bride ripoff. There's a framing device. It's actually Shakespeare did it with, I think, Twelfth Night and some other plays, maybe even this one. So the kid says, oh, Mum, I want to watch Moonlighting. She goes, no, you've got to go do your homework. What's his homework? He's got to read The Taming of the Shrew. Oh, mom goes up to his room, opens this leather-bound edition of the Taming of the Shrew. He says, and "What a drag! What a drag!" <laughs> and uh, and of course, the book slightly comes to life, and suddenly we're in Padua. Let go and hand me. I'll try, but I don't think they'll come off. Oh. Your struggles in vain, my lady, as man is now and shall ever be dominant over woman, and I, being a prime specimen of manhood, am therefore clearly dominant over you. Go suck with your head. It swells beyond measure. Aye, and proudly. Tis my will to marry you, my lady, and where there's a will... There's a... Oh! Oh! 
And it's basically Moonlighting does the Taming of the Shrew. But it is the Taming of the Shrew is Shakespeare's Moonlighting. It's absolutely the irascible woman, the untamable woman and the man who won't take no for an answer and they exactly. kind of go at it sort of like verbally. And apparently the inspiration for Moonlighting happening to start off with was that this guy, Glenn Gordon Karen, had seen a production of the Taming uh-huh. of the Shrew in Central Park, Theatre in the Park, starring Raoul Julia, who's now sort of forgotten, but he was the, the guy Adams in the Adams family. family. He's a brilliant actor. Oh, and Meryl Streep. Wow. Whatever happened to her. What a car. So he saw a production of Tell Me of the Shoe and that was the, his moment where he went, I want to do this, That's and incredible. it ended up being Moonlight. So it sort of comes full circle in this episode. But it's audacious, though, because it's done in... I mean, not if, if not in actual iambic pentameter always, there's a lot of... They do borrow a bit of Shakespeare and then they just kind of start rapping over It's the so cleverly done because really good. they use... Because the other weird thing, the other very personal thing for me, is that I, I can't, my memory's not good enough, but I was in a school production of Tame of the Shrew oh. when I was a teenager. And I don't know whether it, it could have been when I was about 14. It might have been like about so maybe, a year later. Yeah. So I remember all the dialogue. Yeah. Right? So the dialogue in this version of the Tame of the Shrew, a lot of it is actually Shakespeare. They it's lift pulled Shakespeare. directly. And then it goes off into these riffs of the kind that they always did in Moonlighting. The, the very wise cracking, yeah, yeah. breaking the fourth wall. And yet it's, it's seamless. It's so. I couldn't believe watching it again yeah. how well done it was. It's amazing. That my favourite line from the opening is, you mistaketh me, sir, for someone who careth. <laughs> Just there's lots of that. It's there's got lots tons of, of that. And, and, and that kind of stuff done badly is absolutely cringeworthy. It's amazing. And then they also lace it with loads of like really big physical comedy, like a kung fu movie style he fight. He gets attacked where people, by ninjas at yeah, one point. Yeah, there's ninjas that he gets catapulted through the air. Other people get catapulted through it's, the air. It's all very big. It's full of so much confidence. Yeah. You know, they're clearly Bruce, operating off a of success. Totally. But then Bruce Willis comes in and d- delivers most of his stuff. Obviously, they're in Shakespearean dress, but he's got shades on. So, well, this is my and moment. And doing a side If I had to pick a moment, because this is the thing oh. that I absolutely remember. Brilliant. Is you have all this stuff with... Um, uh, Kate, the character, is a shrew, and she's introduced as throwing a load of suitors out into the street. And yeah, yeah. so you've seen Sybil Shepherd, you've seen Bert Viola playing this character, Lucentio, um, and uh, but you haven't you haven't met Bruce Willis's character, yeah. Bruce Willis playing David Addison, playing Petruchio Obviously. yet. Mm-hmm. And then you get this moment where it's like, here he comes, and there's this this white horse comes in, <laughs> and the horse has sunglasses, has massive <laughs> sunglasses on, and Bruce has sunglasses on, and Bruce has a Hilarious Shakespearean outfit on a huge hat and sunglasses and the horse sort of turns and on the back of the horse is a BMW insignia, which when I was 14, I nearly wet myself because I thought that was so cool (laughs) that he had a BMW horse. (laughs) And so that moment for me is, you know, it's absolutely burnt on my retina. I really remember that moment happening. Fill her up, lad. Clean the bugs out of her teeth. And, you know... When you're 14, I mean, I'm not saying I was a necessarily a typical teenager. <laughs> I probably was maybe a little bit theatrical or whatever, but <laughs> you shouldn't really be watching Terry of the Shrew well, and talk- loving it. You're I mean, talking to the girl who wrote Hamlet on her school bag, who got mercilessly teased for being a theatre geek. The thing is, I can't believe <clears throat> I had never seen this episode. It's like you brought sunshine into my day today because I didn't know this existed. I don't know how. I've seen a lot of Moonlighting, but certainly Did you not love Moonlighting? I did, but I didn't see the whole You're a bit younger thing. than me. I probably me. came to it a little bit later, so maybe I caught the tail end of it. I think I definitely saw the series where they got together. Yeah, which um, I actually remember being not, very not, not sexually arousing. <laughs> Yowza! And I don't think well, that is just my age. Because I'll tell you something else, and I feel like I can say this because it's in the context of me being a teenager. Yeah. They are both unbelievably hot. Oh God, no. I ridiculous. mean, oh my God, these two people are so sexy, and as much as we all know that they, well, maybe you don't know this, 
they hated each other. Oh, really? And this is another thing that led to its demise, is that he really hated oh, each no. other. Oh, no. Five right? series? God, that's putting but, yourself through but, some stuff. However the dysfunctional, psychologically damaging way it works, mm-hmm. they seem like they really fancy each they other. They do. But and they even when you watch it now, hate... you're thinking, bet they did. Love and hate are close. Maybe they just ended up in, in a fit of rage one I mean, day. Sybil Shepherd <laughs> still makes me feel... Funny in the tummy. I mean, <laughs> all over. She is so beautiful. But she's also, she's really good. Yeah, she's brilliant. And Bruce Willis, who, let's be frank here. I can be frank, can't I? You know, I think we all know he's probably a massive asshole, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Wait, but he's he not here to answer for himself. No, I know he's not here to answer himself. That he could be, but he could be. He could be mm. a massive asshole, mm. but he's really brilliant. Oh, he's so very, good. Obviously, he's very funny the because he's a natural comedian, both is and incredible. he's very sexy. Yeah, for all his in some ways unusual looks, but he's really he's really sexy. But also, there are some moments in this, and it's very important because Tammy of the Show is a very very difficult play. Yeah, and in some is. ways, you'd think. They should just ditch it now, yeah. not do it anymore. Yeah. But he actually does the slightly serious bits really well. Oh, God, he's a properly terrific actor. But, I mean, the writing in this episode, the writing was always flawless in, in Moonlighting. But some of my favourite moments are just, like, sight gags, like she's having a row with him and she turns yeah. around, pulls back a curtain and there's a wall of vases just with a sign saying, throwing vases. No, I love that. <laughs> and she just clearly uses them for their I mean, they're basically airplane gags. Yeah, fantastic. So it's like I say, this is just operating at such a level of confidence. Yeah. It's just like they feel like, we can do anything. Oh, God, the swagger. Because everybody loves us. And they're having such a good time as well. Even if they aren't, they look like they are. Yeah. Like if they hated each other, perhaps they weren't enjoying themselves. But in the performance, like Sybil Shepherd especially, you can. But they're both just having the time of their life, taking chunks out of the scenery and just clicking their heels in the air. It's lovely to watch. And I'll tell you a slightly uh, depressing fact that I discovered about this episode. Yeah. There. Apparently, it was the lowest rating episode they ever made. Oh God, Philistines! Bloody American and of course Philistines! It, it, it literally was in those days because t- you know TV was scheduled at a certain time. It was on at a certain time on a certain night, yeah. and they measured the people who were watching it at that time. Ugh. And apparently. You know, within five minutes of it, it was just like, oh, I don't want to watch Shakespeare. Because you know, also, they wanted, people were expecting Moonlighting, of course. Well, exactly. And if they stuck with it, they were getting it. And they did, if you did stick around to the end, though, it finishes where the, the kid has gone gone and done his homework. He comes back into the front room. You don't see him or his mum. Yeah, that's right. And, and he says, you know, is, is Moonlighting still on? She's like, no, it's just finished. It wasn't very good this week. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's so but meta. Again, the confidence <laughs> that they had to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you another fun fact about Moonlighting. Um, it, it's talked about as being one of the first comedy dramas, which seems, seems outrageous really? these days for them to say it was one of the first comedy yeah. dramas on TV to kind of meld those two things together. But it's the only thing, I, th- I don't know whether this is true now, yeah. but at the time it was nominated for Emmys for Best Drama and for Best Comedy. Ooh, that, that is amazing. unprecedented. Yeah. Moonlighting, lo- love the whole thing, but uh, Tame With The Shoe, it, it's such a lovely reminder of everything that was good about it and every reason that I, I mean, it made me want to yeah. watch all of them again. And just audacious, what a thing to do. It's like the Buffy singing episode or something. It's yeah, just, just like, like that. we're just going to do this now. Like, really? And then yeah. he bursts into song in the church, does a rock and roll number. Just, just for shits and giggles. Well, <laughs> my wife Catherine, who is uh, a bit obsessed with Bruce Willis, but particularly <laughs> obsessed with um, his album, The Return of Bruno. Whoa! You're looking at me like you don't know what that is. I don't know what. So, that Bru- is. so Bruce Willis brought out an album at the height of Moonlighting success Did called he? The Return of Bruno, and he had a hit single with Under the Boardwalk. Oh, I remember Under the right. Boardwalk. That was like the big single off the album. Yeah. And um, we were saying as we were watching this, you know, we were saying, <laughs> "Is this the moment?" Is this the moment where they went, let's give this guy a record deal? Oh, my God. I don't think it was. I think 
No. He sang a lot. I think he sang quite often in Moonlight. I think Disney. it was always his thing that he wanted to... Like you said, I think they get to a stage where they're so, he, they can do whatever they want, basically. Yeah. Just yeah. amazing. Thank you so much for bringing this in. I'm going to watch this again and again because of you. It's uh, it's called Atomic Shakespeare and it's Series 3, Episode 7 of Moonlighting. And I have to tell you, it's all on YouTube. It's all on YouTube. We mm. will put the link up on our Twitter feed. That's at Box Delights Pod. Now, Nick, before you go, um, I'm going to open the Box of Delights... Oh, is there a sound effect when that box opens? Yeah. Right. Um, now, would you like to pick a, a quick fire question? Have a good old rummage. Oh, this is like being on Star Test. Don't just take the top one. Oh, Star Test, bring that back. That was brilliant. I wonder I where that the, computer is now. I watched the Wayne Hussey one the other night from the mission. It was amazing. Can I just recommend we don't get started on Wayne Hussey? We'll be here all night. <laughs> all I'm going to say is my friend Tim has kissed Wayne Hussey. Oh, my Lord. Oh, that is a really good question. Go on. I know they're all good questions, Go on. presumably. What Which say? series of Blackadder? And you can only have one. Heart the, the, or Head. This is, for me, other, this is Heart or Head. The others will be burned. <laughs> because I think Head would say Series 2, but really Heart says Series 3 for me. Oh, I think I'm the same. So you'd go for the Regency period. Yeah. But you'd be torn between that and, and Queen Elizabeth I recognise as an adult, watching all of them now, that yeah. Series 2 is amazing. Yeah. But Series 3 is the one, again, maybe it's the age, maybe it's the fact that Hugh Laurie was in it. I know. At a time when I was obsessed with Fry and Laurie. Oh, God. But yeah, Series 3 of Blackadder was just amazing. Yeah. And actually, I could have picked a moment from that. Can I tell you what moment? Go or someone else Yes, you absolutely it? can. I would have picked that moment in the episode. I can't remember which episode it is. Is it the Samuel Johnson episode? I can't remember. They had great titles. But it's titles. the bit where Blackadder is carrying a tray. Oh, yes. Uh, and he dropped... And, <laughs> The prince tells him something that I can't remember what the conversation is about. He's given away all of his money, I That's think. That's it. Yeah, and he yeah. drops the tray. And everything smashes. And then he goes, oh, no, it's OK. I got it all back again. He goes, Zip. and, and it, the, the videotape just reverses and the tray goes back <laughs> into his hand. And I remember just being blown away by that as a visual gag. And it's the kind of thing where they, they never repeated that kind of gag no, again. No, no, just no. Just that one time. And that was, that was, it, and they could was just perfect. throw one of those away yeah. and then just come up with something yeah. completely different in Series, the next so, scene. Series three. Good choice. Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.